0: Minjika. How Welcome to the Voices of Regen podcast. My name is Matt Sykes and along with Claire Wilde, um, we're excited to be creating this space for unapologetically bold conversations about regenerative business. Uh, today, we're super excited to be um, again, crossing the bridge between Aotearoa, New Zealand, and Australia uh, and uh, having a conversation with uh, Kusal from Co-Plantation who I had the opportunity to meet through our call for collaborators that went out on socials towards the end of 2021. Uh, And then Kusal came back and instantly looked at um, his website and listening to his work and then following up with a conversation and just sensing that there was just so many synergies and alignment. So thank you so much Kosal for creating this space and time and really looking forward to having this conversation uh, together. Maybe as a way of starting, um, could you tell us a little about you and how um, your work aligns to Regen, however you interpret that?
1: Cool. Um, kia ora, Me, Kia ora Claire. Uh, ko Kusau Pereira ho, ko Kanga Tuturu, ko Sri Lanka. I whakatipu ake aho, i ake te manga ko rangataki nimi a te, a te awa. Nō re rā, kato, tena kato, tena kato tena katoa. Uh, thank you. Thank you for uh, the invitation. Um, I'm Kisal. Um My ancestry, my place of origin is Sri Lanka. Um, I'm Singhalese by uh, culture. Um, I grew up there. I was raised there. And then I had the privilege of uh, calling Aotearoa home back in the late 1980s. And uh, this is home um, based in Wellington these days. Um, yeah, and I work, yeah, that's me. And
0: as, as we're entering, uh, obviously acknowledging those First Nations connections to the places that we're all coming from, the Iwi, you know, and, and also, um, from where I'm coming from, uh, on the Kulin nation, in particular, the Woi Wurrung, Wurundjeri and the Boomerang, uh, peoples here of na Melbourne. Uh, Kasal, coming back to you, I'm curious, uh, sometimes within our DNA, where we, where we come from, our cultural identity, uh, it, it shapes us in unconscious ways uh, in, in our work. Um, I'm curious whether, um, even though that you're living in Aotearoa, whether those, um, those connections back to your, your homeland and your ancestry whether that comes up for you in unexpected ways before we, we get into this, this broader conversation.
1: <laughs> yeah, great point, Matt. Um, I think growing up, I didn't. I took my culture for granted. I didn't, um, particularly being a migrant, um, I really tried to adopt the Western, try to fit in. Um, and in 2010, I had a drastic change of life um, and went to Tanzania as part of VSA, Volunteer Services Abroad and worked there for two years. And I felt this ridiculous, never been to Africa before, uh, first time, but there was this connection which I felt in my blood, in my DNA to this land, which I have um, never set foot on. The, the smell of Africa, just like, oh my God, I came from here. Like I'm a biologist by training. I understood, you know, evolutionary point of view. That's where ancestors came from. But this connection, it felt like I could taste it. Uh, that started a journey of understanding my own culture, being coming from a country which had been colonized, you know, four times in, in our known history over 400 years ago, um, to now living in New Zealand again, a colonized country and, what, and how cultures evolved. So it's really a lot of what I do is connected to, back to our whakapapa or who we are and the stories that interweave and connect to each other so it's a, become a huge part of that.
2: Thanks so much for sharing that Kasal. Um, I think certainly you know, that that resonates with me in some ways. Um, as I a I call myself a New Zealander. Um, I, <laughs> I grew up here. Um, and I've only recently learned where I whakapapa to. So I'm I'm Pākehā, um, and have recently learned, you know, that I whakapapa to um, Cornwall, I think, in the in the UK. And it's really interesting because it started to make me realize why I've always felt this strange pull and the strange sort of nostalgia for that part of the world, despite having never been there. Um, so I think, you know, what, what you were saying around that concept of whakapapa is so important and I think so grounding as well. Something that we were really keen to explore with you today is this idea of language. And the need for perhaps new language when it comes to regeneration. So I'd be really keen to explore that with you. Um, one word in particular, you know, that stood out in our conversations um, before we recorded this podcast was this concept of reciprocity. And I'd just love to hear, you know, what that means to you and to understand more about that that word and its meaning in the context of regeneration.
1: Oh my goodness, that word has uh, so much uh, meaning and significance to what I think we all do. Um, So probably to give it some context, what I do uh, in my day-to-day is uh, develop strategies for organizations. Uh, Strategies are essentially, what, a pathway from getting from A to B. And you know, when in a traditional pathway or a map, you have the contours and the little dotted line showing where you're going. But when it comes to strategy, it's words. Words are our direction. And making sure that everyone who's going on the journey understands what that word means is really important. Um, So in a lot of the work that we do at Co-Plantation, we try to focus on the word reciprocity comes up because in terms of regeneration, this process of giving back, you know, like... Um, Patagonia has in their mission statement, like, cause no unnecessary harm. And the work that we do within the Maori economy these days, like the feedback from Tangata Fenua, the people of the land is like, you know, doing no unnecessary harm is not good enough. There must be reciprocity. We must give back from what we have taken. Papatunuku or, you know, Mother Earth or Ranganui, um, what they give us from nature is a gift. Even though we might purchase it, we must replenish what we have taken. So I think we spend a lot of time um, defining what reciprocity means uh, within the system. Yeah.
2: I really love that concept of, you know, um, what we receive from nature being a gift. Um, And I think that's certainly something, you know, we see so much um, sort of taking that Western mindset and sort of the, the colonial mindset is that it's all about what you can Take and you know how you can utilize resources, and I think that concept of you know reciprocity and um, going beyond just doing unnecessary harm—it's really about you know what relationship do we have with that environment being the most important thing. I um something else that you you sort of mentioned before we hit record that I'd love to explore in this discussion. Um, as well as you know, how does this relate to um, you know concepts around Eastern cultures and First Nations cultures? You you touched on Tangata Whenua and you know to Aomari and Aotearoa New Zealand, but you know I'd love to hear how you see this concept of reciprocity you know resonating with with other cultures around the world and what could we learn
1: from that? Um, have you both heard of the the term weird cultures? Tell us. <laughs> <laughs> So this is something uh, we really do take in. And we know we always say that at plantation we go beyond WEIRD. Uh, WEIRD is an acronym which was uh, tabled in the book, The Righteous Mind from Jonathan Hadid. I might be pronouncing it not correctly. Um, He sort of uses the term WEIRD for uh, Western educated, industrialized, rich, democratic countries. And he he talks about that, how a lot of psychology, management practices, management principles are all weird concepts, but cultures only represent 15% of the world uh, and doesn't necessarily resonate with 85%. And it really comes down to, I mean, both are important um, and just understanding the differences between the two um, is really important in, getting that alignment because particularly in our we're such a cross-cultural um, you know cross-cultural um, country um, yeah so we definitely try to understand what is reciprocity mean from a weird context as well as from a non-weird and it's the interconnections is the key.
0: Yeah because it's, it's a really interesting one because I think sometimes in the if we if we use the term uh, coming back to language, if we use the term regeneration or regenerative or regenerative uh, business, this is something that can probably um, be bundled up into uh, an audience that has sorry a group that has a pretty small audience. But if we look at the principles more deeply and use other forms of language, we can see it pop up in lots of different ways and. Um, what comes to mind as you're talking about reciprocity is conversations that we have with First Nations elders that we work with and one in particular uh, and she talks about language being coded uh, and when language is coded and sometimes in long exhaustive reports that sometimes we like to do in the western world or, or very neat um, somewhat mechanical uh, diagrams and infographics and, and so on, we can create these walls and and barriers and probably probably create a separation from our common humanity in some ways that seems to be to be lost um, and so'm I'm, I'm curious how you approach in, in kind of opening the doors and creating the the communication pathways and the partnerships, the relationships that enable you to create that reciprocity. I'm curious how you navigate that between the weird and the non-weird countries or places.
1: (laughs) Um, I should probably start with the fact that I don't always get it right. (laughs) It's all the times that I got it wrong. I've been the most... um, uh, most valuable learning experiences, um, probably. Matt, to answer that question, I wanted to rely on another one of the words I've learned, particularly within the Maori economy. It's this, uh, the word um, manaaki or mana-ake. Um and you know, with the words being coded, then that's why Te Reo Maori language is so beautiful. Is that when you sort of break the word into part, you, you can go deeper. So mana, from my, you know, from what I've been taught um mana is you know your self-worth the value that you have and aki is to lift up so that just just understanding that word just helped me sort of reframe how i engage with people so my interpretation or the interpretation i was sort of given to me was that may my way of being enhance your way of being so whether uh, so, if I can truly understand whether you're coming from weird culture or non-weird culture, what you know, how how can my behavior enhance our experience? What am I giving back because I'm clearly taking from you by having this? So being mindful of that has really helped me become a better collaborator, better better person. Hopefully, working on that though. Yeah, I,
2: um, manaki is a word that is um particularly sort of close to my heart this year I know it sounds really cheesy um but every year I do a I make a new year's intention um as opposed to a new year's resolution and it's kind of the way that I guide my my year and when you said manaki that was my new year's intention this year Um, and I think Gasol you know how you mentioned um it's not only about you know respect for yourself but and you know and also respect for others and that whole concept of reciprocity and as you said um, the value of that and creating really good collaborations is so important. Um, something I was really curious to explore with you is, um, you know, particularly given that you work in this, um, in this sort of world of strategy, where it's very much about using words to get everybody on the same page about how you're going to get to, you know, from A to B, as you said, um, is that, you know, when, when we're creating strategies that are about more than just you know, doing the same as we did last year, plus 10%, where we're really trying to, you know, use the strategy and use the language in that strategy to make the world a better place. Um I'm sure you've experienced this where you know sometimes you're in a room with people who are fully on board with that concept and say, yep, we absolutely need to shake things up. You know, we we want to walk the talk of um as we said reciprocity, you know, think regenerative, re- regeneratively regeneratively, mm. um, which is awesome to have those conversations. Other times. We're in a room with people who you know perhaps haven't even thought about that journey before um and perhaps might be saying well what's wrong with how things currently are
1: <laughs> so i'd be yeah. really
2: curious you know to hear your ideas around um how we can you know maybe how we might consider those different audiences and also how how we might engage with them
1: Oh my goodness God, that's uh that's pretty much my whole world <laughs> you just got in a neck in, in a sentence um Um, I suppose what I, my early in my career, I was very fortunate to work for Fonterra. You know, like, almost 11 years of my career was based with them, and I'm forever grateful for the grounding they had given me. That corporate realm has really sort of, you know, we define growth or, you know, strategy as more, you know, about capturing market share, growing vertically, growing horizontally, developing new products, diversification. Um, and I feel like a lot of growth conversations are related to that more. But I feel like we, there are other ways that we can grow. Um, you know, grow our quality, our efficiency, our capacity, our circularity, our community. So when particularly we deal with organizations, like I said, this audience is like they have only one way of looking at it. We say, you know what? We just can't infinitely keep on growing outwardly and upwardly. Uh, there's profitability to be had by growing inwardly. And we try to explore those. And that's generally what we found is the first opportunity for us to talk about the notion of reciprocity, because we can't continually take, take, and then grow outward uh, in order for you to, even to go outwards, you need to sort of replenish. So that's kind of our starting point, yeah.
2: That's so awesome. I really love that concept. Um, and I think, you know, when, when you talked about growth just before and saying, you know, what's the point of growth? Why are we, why are we pursuing this endless growth? I think, um, you know, certainly when you ask me that question, I haven't got an answer for you. And so I can definitely see how, um, you know, starting the conversation in that way is a really valuable way of, you know, perhaps challenging that way that we've almost been conditioned to think where growth yeah. is the only option. And it's kind of this endless goal that we're never going to reach and um, yeah. You know where is that taking us? Perhaps not to the best place. It's really curious. Um, I'm I'm so I'm so fascinated to hear that. Matt, I might hand back to you to hear if you have any other questions, because
0: Kusal. Yeah, Kusal, I think that it kind of hit home when you were talking about that um, traditional corporate space as a reference point and also a grounding um, point. Uh, I'm also really interested to hear a little about the, some of the projects that you're working on now and the way that these ideas of reciprocity come through. Is there like a, a little story or a couple of examples of, of things that, um, you know, I'm not sure whether it's in weird or non-weird places. But, <laughs> but is, it, is there a story or two that could really help the listeners kind of zoom in and, and understand uh, what this can look like uh, on the ground?
1: Oh My goodness. Um, yeah, so recently with a um, large organization in New Zealand, we went through this exercise of defining what sustainability means for the organization, like, you know, um, you know, Claire touched on, you know, that this we use these words, and if we're not all on the same page on what that word means, we could go in multiple directions. So like, okay, let's get this whole organization, we being a big one, how do you get them to sort of um, all align on what sustainability means? And as part of the, the definition work, um, we arrived at the point of how we value our resources, because resource using resources is important for growth. And do we value resources over and above humans? Um, because another word that's sort of commonly used um, in non-weird context is the word Prana in Sanskrit or pana in my language or in, in Maori um, Maori uh, Maori uh, which is life force of something. should the life force of the resources that we use the water or uh, the grass or is, is it less or more important than the prana or life force of a human being? I feel like uh, when our society has particularly the weird societies have put humans above, And it kind of feels like you know what i'm i'm pretty special like i'm a human being i have consciousness and you know i can make you know i'm not an animal um yes but as soon as we lift ourselves above i find that's when regeneration i don't know you know it becomes difficult i mean what what do you guys think i mean that's i'm still processing this but that's where i'm sort of landing on
0: yeah no absolutely Actually, as you're talking about that, it takes me right down to the edge of uh, Nam uh, Port Phillip Bay, uh, which, when during lockdown, I found myself going for these walks as a way of getting out and and, and having um, that sense of space and clarity and promoting my my well-being, including mental well-being, uh, and. And they say that the, you know, the prana is closest at the edge. I think they say talk about the prana being strongest around uh, the edge of an ocean or, um, or a a beach, but also near a waterfall. So there's something in that. Uh, But what, what kind of happened was I started picking up rubbish uh, because my, my grandfather, as a child, I was, really young and would go off to the playground and he would stop and he'd pick up bits of glass or rubbish that had been left by people, you know, in the park and in the playground. And so that left a, an imprint for me that, you know, you, you look after places in, in, and you can even leave them better than you found them. And so then to translate that into a work sense, when you're in lockdown, uh, you know, you're working intensively as starting a business and you go for these walks. You're like, oh, hold on. You're the bay. You, uh, as a as a living thing, uh, are helping to increase um, my my mana to to lift you know my mana. And so, it's like, okay, well, if you're doing that, then then I need to give something back. Um, so then I started this cycle of weekly Regen Fridays, picking up rubbish for an hour. And it's like like my happy hour, right? So I go down on a Friday. It's often about 3.30, 4 p.m. Sometimes it's an excuse to shut down the laptop a little bit earlier because let's face it, we're all pretty screened out um, by the time we get to that Friday afternoon. Um, But what emerged is this thing that I've been describing as business and ecosystem partnerships. And uh, I totally relate to... That reciprocity concept and I feel like if more and more businesses are able to understand the value that uh, ecosystem services sorry ecosystems and the services that they provide whether it be their staff are walking along you know the the Yar River on their way to work or uh, they've got a beautiful view out towards the river that they support and use through their uh, branding and marketing materials or it might be something more tangible where uh, it's a, a farmer that um, produces. Well, if we're talking in the dairy industry of um, milk. So then, it's a relationship with the waterways and the wildlife corridors that are part of that. So we start to unpack these things that often we have put outside of spreadsheets, um, profit and loss statements, and so on. And we start to build them back in. When, and we do that at Regen Projects through um, one of our capitals, natural capital, as an example. Um, and acknowledges the natural capital within our operations. Um, so it might be related to where our, you know, headquarters is, and um, you know, our back deck, our our common uh, courtyard, our garden, our local river, but also uh, within the creation of products and services. Uh, so I don't know. Are there are examples that you've seen in your work where. In particular, that business and ecosystem relationship has come up. Um, and uh, I guess what, any, if any, lessons have emerged
1: from that? I mean, to your rubbish collecting point, Matt, I mean, it's the little things, isn't it? It's the, you know, sometimes as organizations, we tend to just focus on the things which are seen, but it's the things which are unseen uh, that really has the biggest impact. Um, We do um quite a bit of work in community development work uh things like for example developing marae development strategies so when you're working at that level of when a marae is the focal point of the community you it's not definitely you cannot take a linear path with that it's you know the waterfalls the beaches um all the places that they uh, that Mahingakai or food gathering happens is connected with the well-being of the Malai, not just the um, the economic inputs. Um, yeah, um,
0: it's interesting. Even even as you even even as you said that, and and I guess where we we came back to it. What was interesting was the language, that we, the Māori language that you were using, um, it seemed to be suitable to use that as if we, if we can talk to the natural world, so-called natural world with that language, but also the human world. And I feel like this is the new language thing that we're trying to explore, right, is that um, in the Western space or um, weird space, I'm not sure how to to describe it now, but we find ourselves almost trapped by the language that we've created for ourselves, like Mm -hmm. sustainability itself is a a trap. Um, But I found that interesting that um, we've also heard Mana come up in other conversations. And uh, I just think that that's interesting that the language uh is it can relate to the human and the non-human um is is that something that um that maori worldview or language has opened some of these new pathways for Mm -hmm. you like has that been a bit of a a game game change or a, a catalyst you know
1: Oh wow, Uh, hugely so, like um, being a migrant again, uh, I don't get to use my mother tongue, my language as much, and English is obviously the core uh, language of uh, business, but now since you have seen this resurgence of te reo Māori in New Zealand, um, the amazing thing about uh, te reo Māori and even languages, um, other ethnic or indigenous languages, it, it gives you the opportunity to tap into wisdom of the words. I mean, not that English lacks them. Uh, it's just because of because yeah, I think modern English is influenced by so many other languages. It's harder to get to the truth. But with indigenous languages, like breaking up the word manaaki, you know, manaaki into the two words, you can find depth in it. So I find. tereo Oh, apologies. Uh, te reo gives us an opportunity to access more wisdom in when we use words. Less reliant on data and information, more opportunities to explore wisdom, which I feel is necessary. Yeah.
2: all that resonates so much. Um, I'm just thinking about my experience growing up in a, a particularly um, Pākehā dominated part of Aotearoa. And I remember that I, at, at school, we were meant to be learning te reo, but um, we learned French instead because my <laughs> teacher told us that it would be more useful, um, which is interesting. So now I can say super marché, and that's about all. Um, but I think something I found really interesting over the past, um, particularly the past 18 months after having spent a little bit of time away from Aotearoa is coming back and seeing um, sort of te reo dotted around. Um, so much more than it, than it has been in the past and something that's really curious about that is when you see a sentence um, with a word into there you know sort of dotted in there you have to look at what it is so you understand what that sentence means um, because mm-hmm. you can't just read a sentence and not understand one of the words and it's not a particularly <laughs> productive way of communicating or understanding um, so as you said you know deeply understanding the meanings of these words is so valuable and um, it can be so tempting to try and find some direct English translation of a word in tereo. <laughs> yeah. And often there isn't a direct English translation. And often the reason that that translation doesn't exist well, in my experience anyway, is because, um, you know, sort of that, I suppose, colonial mindset hasn't really grasped that concept yet. Um, as we talked about before, you know, this, this concept of monarchy, I don't think there really is a word in tereo, I mean, sorry, in, in, in English that can fully mm. grasp the fullness of that word. There's one more point on top of that, Cassel, that I'd really love to explore with you. And as um, I was hearing you and Matt talk before, I think there was a word that kept cropping up in my mind, um, which is this hierarchy that I feel our current system is really built on. And certainly, you know, through working in, um, you know, the, the positive impact world, I suppose you could say, or, you know, social change world, something that, so many um, complex issues in the world come back to is this idea of equity and creating greater equity between people and sort of breaking down those hierarchies. Um, Even thinking about the the privilege in lots of parts of Aotearoa and the world as well, where um, to be able to live somewhere where you have access to nature um, and, you know, particularly when you think about, you know, green spaces and tree lined streets and all that, you know, places near the ocean, often they tend to be, um, you know, the, the most expensive places to live. And so they become, you know, um, sort of only for people who who have most and sit at the top of that hierarchy. So when we think about, you know, flipping the way we look at the world where it's not about a straight up and down vertical hierarchy, it's about saying we're all the same, you know, we you know um sort of the the prana or maori or life force um of you know people and nature and um you know everything is is sort of to be valued um Mm. in in a really equal way i think that is such an interesting way and um i think there's so much that we can learn from that i suppose my question um and amongst all of this is you know what links do you see between this idea of reciprocity and creating a more equitable world?
1: Whew, it's like solving world peace there, uh, Claire. Um, Goodness. You know, when I look at sustainability, I feel like sustainability is how, because we were all once indigenous at some point in time and that's how we lived as indigenous communities was in a sustainable manner and through industrialization we've sort of lost that connection um, but now sustainability seems like a privilege it's it's uh, you know you have to be able to afford to be sustainable now like how did that happen so there was this loss in equity um which has prevented us from being sustainable and now i really don't know the answer to this because i feel like um we don't have the knowledge, the understanding to treat each other, treat each other with equity. Um, our education system, the way our economic system has, I don't know, I feel like it's kind of robbed us, uh, robbed us of our ability to te- treat, treat and look at each other with equity. Um, so. I don't know, I'm still trying to figure that out. That's the honest answer. I feel like um, we need a hierarchy in order for us to someone to guide us towards a better alternative. Because all of us, because we're so many of us now with so many different ideas that all of our ideas, we just don't have room for all of our ideas. We need someone to be able to say, right, this is the way. And we've got to trust that whoever she or he uh, or they are and to lead us. So I don't know if we're ready to abandon our hierarchy. Um, am I making any sense?
2: <laughs> I think so. I think what I'm hearing here is this concept of like leadership maybe?
1: Yeah absolutely, absolutely. Um, having leadership but not from a hierarchical, like taking orders but from a very different context but I feel we're not as a collect as a huge collective we're not ready to sort of be accountable for ourselves because we lack the awareness to be sustainable
0: just yes. an, another thing that's coming up here which is, feels really relevant at the moment is that the pursuit of these goals towards reciprocity are happening at a time of constant disruption and so there's 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 a, and I'm, I'm still grappling with it, whether it is like the binary, sorry, the Western mind wants to set it up as a binary that the surviving the lockdowns, the COVID-19, the, uh, all of the challenges that we're going through, there's floods, uh, you know, in Australia when, as at the time that we're recording this uh, and uh, there's, there's the conflict in Ukraine and uh, just all of these things that are constantly putting people off balance, and so we're trying to hold that, and then we're also trying to encourage them to grow, to, to grow, encourage us to grow and 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 learn. Mm. And the, the as I said, the Western mind wants to put them in opposition or in a binary, as if they're attention. Mm. But I'm wondering. If you know the true sense of reciprocity, is I understand that we can actually grow and learn through the survival, and the survival becomes through the growing and learning, uh, and mm. the adaptation during this time, and maybe not seeing life as a static, stable thing, but maybe seeing it as a more ad- adaptive uh, state of of being, and maybe. I don't know. Does that does that somehow bring us all onto a more common ground instead of allowing those hierarchies to be so concreted uh, in in their uh, way? Again, these are you know these are great questions to ask, and and we don't necessarily need to come up with the answers. We can we can just hold that tension and and the space. Um, but yeah, back to you, Claire.
2: I think my my mind is worrying. Um, there weren't actually, I feel like I've kind of run out of questions to ask you Casal. I think I need to go away um, and sort of ponder all of this myself and um, and marinate on this. Um, but maybe I might um, sort of wrap up from my end by sharing a couple of points that have really stood out to me. Um, and then Casal, I might hand to you if you have any sort of closing words. But I think certainly the things that I'll be pondering um, myself is, you know, as somebody who works in strategy, um, kasau you mentioned again, you know, the importance of, of words when you're creating a strategy, because if if the words in a, because in, in essence, a strategy is just words. And so it's really important that those resonate with everybody who's using the strategy and the words and the strategy get everybody on the same page and encourage them to work in a way and you know um behave in a way that complements that strategy um and helps them get to the goal that they want to get to so i think that's certainly something i'll be taking forward um and i think as well the other the other point which i certainly haven't resolved in my mind um is, you know, as we talked about before, this concept of hierarchy and the role that that plays and, and the complexity that we need to hold when it comes to that. So um, that's, I think, my what, what what I'll be taking away from this conversation. And kasala I might just hand back to you to hear if there's anything that you want to leave our listeners with.
1: Thank you, Claire. I think you you sum, you summarised my worldview on the importance of words quite well. Um, just the two things, really. One um, to just circle back around in Matt's comment around, you know, our uh, oh my goodness. As you can tell, I'm very new to this podcast business.
2: Oh, we've lost you, Casal. Maybe I'll tell a joke in the meantime. I need to have. I need to keep a bank of bad jokes to tell when we have pauses in our podcast.
0: Back to you. <laughs> oh,
1: um can you guys hear me okay brilliant um to matt's point around um why are these disruptions be the uh, what what's happening in ukraine or COVID or floods why are they giving us excuses to be unsustainable in the short term um i feel like you know it comes down to our, how we look at time and we i think we as human our modern societies really tries to avoid pain as much as possible short-term pain and we don't realize what the longer term pain is um so i think being always mindful of how cultures look at time is really important like they explored, you know why chinese cult why chinese people are better at saving than western people because their notion of time is very different um and in terms of our final thoughts i mean i feel like our ability to move forward with regeneration, with reciprocity is building on common truths. So I think it's, you know, whoever we're working with, it's really important to understand what are the common or shared truths between parties and that's the starting point of building uh, uh, long-term success. And thank you both for this opportunity. It's just been, yeah, my mind's whirling as well. So many things to explore and think about now. So thank you very much for this conversation.
0: Uh, Thank you, Kasal. And thank you, Claire. It's been, uh, yeah, it's been, I feel like it's been a reciprocal uh, conversation because uh, I've got this sense that we're all kind of filling up with a a great amount of uh, being able to share and connection and to relate, but there's also that healthy amount of openness and unknown that we just all seem to feel comfortable with holding which is in which is important and you don't always get that so thanks for creating that, that space all righty i think we're going to to leave it there um we'll of course as always leave um some links in the description of the podcast so that you can follow up with kasal uh, and his work through co-plantation and see how that is continuing uh, to uh, evolve uh, in this time of change as we work towards the common goals of regeneration whatever that means uh, in the language of, of your place and work and context so thank you for listening and do keep an eye out for more Voices of Regen podcasts moving forward all the best